First Three Years, a podcast designed to help professional teachers in the Jordan School District. We are your hosts, Debbie Fisher, Amy Wood, and Trisha Tingi. We're so glad you joined us. Each month during this school year, we will focus on how to thrive as an educator, even in challenging times. This month, we are focusing on how goal setting and change can help us thrive as we start a new year. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021. A new year gives us opportunities to reflect and set goals to improve ourselves. As teachers, we can do that with our classrooms as well. How do we decide what student-focused goals we should be making? One way to identify goals in your classroom is to work with an instructional coach. Each school in our district has an instructional coach. Your instructional coach is there to support you as you work to accomplish your goals. Today, we're interviewing Melinda Boyack. She is a first grade teacher at Silvercrest Elementary, and this is her fourth year teaching. And we've asked Melinda to be on our podcast today because she has had opportunities with going through the ARO program and just being new to kindergarten and things to work with instructional coaches. And so we wanted to just talk to Melinda about her experience with instructional coaching and, and how an instructional coach has helped her to reach goals that she was working on in the past. So um, Melinda, let's go ahead and talk about, you know, you, you've, you've worked with a few different coaches. I know from when I've worked with you, um, yes. what were some goals that you had as you went into these coaching cycles? Um, well, to begin with, I really struggled with the behavior management piece and I really struggled with the delivery of instruction. So those two things were major focuses and, um, and what my mentor teachers were trying to help me to learn. Mm -hmm. I hadn't really had a lot of experience in the classroom. Yeah. Were those things that, um, like you found out from J-Pass that you needed to improve on then and, and then? Yes. Um, the first time I got J-Passed, I failed the J-Pass completely. And the principal talked with me afterwards and told me that um, one of the things that I was really struggling with was just being able to manage the behaviors of the students in my kindergarten class because I couldn't seem to keep them uh, under control. And because of that, my instruction wasn't getting across at all. I was losing them with the behavior problems. So she said, that's the first thing that we really need to focus on is how you can manage your classroom. Mm -hmm. And that was nice that from J-Pass, you guys were able to look at that and narrow down some goals of what to work on, which probably yeah. do with working with the coach to eliminate where are we, what are we going to work on? Um, yeah, that was really helpful actually, because when the principal gave me the insights that she did about what she could see going on in the classroom, then because I had no idea really what to tell my instructional coaches that I needed help with because I just was floundering pretty much. So it was nice to have the principal talk with me. And then I was able to talk with the instructional coaches about what I needed help with. Great. 
because um, I remember, I think that was when I started working with you at that point too. And you and I were able to look at that feedback and set some goals of what we wanted to try and improve. Do you remember back then, like what kinds of, what kinds of goals we made from that? I, it's been a few years. I can't remember very well. Uh, um, well, I remember first, um, I worked with you and I worked with Bonnie Logie and you guys uh, gave me the names of some classes that the district offered that I should start with. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember the name of the class, but there was a behavioral management class I went to. And then there was also a literacy mm. class that Bonnie taught that I went to. Um, so several different classes offered by the district after school that I was able to take, um, an opportunity to take. And those really helped because I was with other beginning teachers mm. that were able to bounce ideas off of and reflect on what had worked and what wasn't working. And, um, and so those classes, first of all, were really helpful, but I wouldn't have known about those without, um, you guys letting me know about them. Yeah. That's great. And there, there are some great resources. Um, I'm glad that that class was helpful. What kind of results did you see with your students from working with coaches? Like what were some of the things that were helpful? Um, I noticed, I think one thing was that my confidence got better and mm -hmm. I was able to um, I felt like I could give in, uh, uh, an instruction and I expected the students to follow through with it, where at the beginning, I didn't feel like I could do that. I felt like you guys as mentors really helped to give me that confidence in myself that I, I was the teacher, I was in charge. Um, so just that sort of the inspiration, the support from the beginning was really, really powerful. Otherwise, I don't know that I could have done it because I didn't feel like I had any confidence in myself, but I really felt like you guys had that confidence in me, which in turn helped me to, to make those goals and think I could, I could uh, meet those goals. So, so that was helpful. I won a couple of things that were really helpful were, um, like with you, Amy, you came in and you brought other mentors from the district. Um, Melissa Garber, mm -hmm. uh, she was a math. She's our I'm math. Not sure what was. Yeah, she's our and math. She came in um, and you sat in the back with me of the kindergarten classroom. And we observed her teach a lesson to my kindergarten class. And it was so helpful having you sit there with me as I took notes about what she was doing. You were pointing out not just the instructional techniques that she used, but also the behavior management skills that she used with those students, which was so helpful because, again, I, didn't, I hadn't had much experience, and so I wasn't really sure what to look for. And it was really helpful to have that guidance set of you pointing those things out to me, which... You also did, and Bonnie Logie did this as well, when I went with you to observe a kindergarten teacher at Blackbridge, and then we 
Bonnie took me to observe a teacher at, I think it was Bluffdale. Mm -hmm. um, and both of you sat next to me as I was taking notes, observing these teachers in action. And you guys pointed out some really good things that I felt like just really helped improve my teaching ability. Uh, just my awareness of the classroom itself and how the classroom functions. It was really, really helpful. And, and I wouldn't have had that opportunity. I wouldn't have been able to go observe any of those teachers without you guys, because I didn't know any of them. And you guys knew who the really good teachers were, good at their teaching, their explicit instruction, all of those things. It was so helpful. And I'm glad you brought that up, because I think being able to observe other teachers is a powerful way to learn, uh, especially like how you said where you were so new to teaching that you didn't know what to look for. So having the coach there with you, like oh. your eyes to things that you would have missed had you not had a coach. And that is definitely a coaching thing that a coach could do to help a new teacher. So I'm glad you brought that up because oh, yeah. I, I forgot about that, but I'm glad you brought that up because it was powerful. Yes. I, I mean, even now, still, now that I'm teaching first grade, I still use so many of those things that I observed from those teachers that I went with you and Bonnie to observe, I use a lot of the things I learned from them. That's great. Were there any other activities that they did with you as coach that we did with you as coaches that you remember that were impactful? Yes. Um, I, Bonnie came and taught a phonemic awareness lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, because that was one of my goals was to learn how to teach explicit instruction because I had such a hard time um, giving the objective and being explicit and concise and, and being able to tell the children what it was that was expected of them. And she was really good. She brought lots of examples with her when she taught the lesson. So I sat in the back I think you were with me sitting in the back as we watched her teach mm -hmm. and she brought a poster. I remember with her objectives written on it and she discussed it with the students. And then she went through this whole phonemic awareness lesson, which was just so great for me because it helped me realize how important just that one piece of instruction was and to break it down like that. I, that hadn't happened for me before either. So the mentor, you coaches were so good because you broke it down for me into pieces. Instead of looking at this as this huge, overwhelming picture, mm -hmm. it was so nice to say, okay, let's just focus on this phonemic, phonemic awareness part first and see how to teach that. Let's just not worry about anything else. Let's just do that. And and just those baby steps that you guys helped me with, that was incredible. Yeah, that's, I, I think I remember coming in to watch her do that with you. And just, I, I remember seeing the difference between, I don't know if, if you remember seeing this, Melinda, but I remember seeing the difference between when I first met you and at that point when you had started observing other people and having modeling and things like your, like you were saying earlier, your confidence went up and you were able to, like the way that you were able to manage your kids more than you had at the beginning. Like I remember there was just some really successful moments that 
you know, they were little, but they were, they were huge. So I think, well, yeah. And just the things that was another thing with you, Amy, afterwards, when class was gone, every, it was all over with, you would sit down with me and we'd reflect the things that had really worked and the things that hadn't. And that was really important for me to be able to verbalize to somebody else. And you were really helpful. Bonnie was the same way. After she would come and model some instruction for me, we'd sit down afterwards and reflect. What did you notice? What worked well there? What could I have done better? And it was really helpful to actually verbalize those wins and those maybe things that could have been improved upon. And I think coaches are great to help you do that. Um, I have one final question for you, Melinda, on coaching and your experiences with coaching. What advice would you have for new teachers that are maybe hesitant to work with a coach or um, are considering coaching but not sure what they that they should do it. What, do you have advice for new teachers without working with a coach? Um, the only advice I'd say is if you don't work with an instructional coach, then you are really limiting yourself and your potential and the possibilities that you can become a great teacher. Without those instructional coaches, I wouldn't be where I am today. There's no way I would do this without the instructional coach. Yes. I remember there were days back then that you thought, oh, Amy, I can't do this anymore. And I thought, Melinda, you can do this. And you're still here. I'm glad you're still here. (laughs) You are a great teacher. I've had fun watching you over the last few years when I've been able to come out and visit at Silvercrest. So um, thank you you so much, Melinda, for meeting with us today, though, and sharing about your experiences with coaching. And we appreciate that. Thanks for inviting me. When it comes to making goals, sometimes it's easy to it's easier to set goals when you have someone you can work with. And one of the things that we found is that having an instructional coach can sometimes make all the difference when you're trying to determine what your goal should be and how to get there. Today, we are going to be interviewing Amy Kinder. She's our district math consultant. She's over the math department, but she also is running a lot of the trainings for our coaching for the district for all of our instructional coaches and each of our schools in our district has instructional coaches so there is a lot of support in the buildings right now to be able to help teachers and this is definitely a resource we would love new teachers to take advantage of today we wanted to ask amy about kind of what happens when you do work with an instructional go- coach and you know what kind how do we set goals with an instructional coach so Amy, I'm gonna let you <laughs> in. I think now is such a perfect time because when you first started back in August, maybe it was like you were thinking the world could be at your feet and you wanted just to run and maybe didn't want uh, a coach or someone else to hold you back because you had so many bursting full of ideas. But now when it gets to December, sometimes what happens and what we've seen and it's normal that sometimes teachers feel um, that, they may need some extra help. So maybe that they didn't seek it earlier, but now is the perfect time. I know that coaches know this. And so that they are, this would be a great time to start with your coach and trying to make a goal. 
And so I think the difference when you go to make a goal or something to work with, with a, um, a coach in the past, when I was working, I'd say a smart goal. And so then the coach would tell me what my goal was. They would come in and watch me and say, Amy, gosh, you, you need to do a better job of having classroom management. And then they tell me. But Jordan School District, our coaches are being trained that sometimes that doesn't be isn't the best thing just to be told. Mm -hmm. And so we uh, and sometimes it may make people bristle. So instead, we'd like to have choice and teacher voice. And so we want to first create that system of reality. What is the current reality of what's happening in your classroom? And like, so then we could use video to get that. You could use an observation just so you have what is happening. And then from what is happening, it's like, what's going on in your classroom when you have that visual. And I have to say, I'm going to put a point in for video because I, when I watch myself on video, I go, oh my goodness, what happened? Like I didn't realize that four kids were in their desks or I didn't realize that I was saying this when I was talking. So video really gives you this clear thing. And now I can make a goal. So my goal, I'm not going to use a smart goal because there's something about smart that doesn't have this compelling nature. So I'm going to follow with Jim Knight's peers goals. And the peers goals stand for there's five qualities with it. So the first one is P, it's powerful. So if you're going to make a goal, it's got to be powerful, not to that coach that's sitting with you, but to you as the person who is doing this. And especially something you are overwhelmed with lots of other work and things that are being put on your plate. So if you want to make a goal to improve your instruction, it needs to come from what you feel and value is the most important to work on. And then the next part, it needs to be easy. So don't choose a goal of like, I'm going to design um, centers, learning centers for every child and it'll be individualized and I'll have these wonderful, great differentiated notes. We'll do writing pieces. I'll have all those things. That's not easy. Though you may want to do something like that, um, we want to make it easy and we want to make it not what you do, what the students do. So if you want to have the students talking more, then you say, I need to design activities to make them talk more or to have more academic discussions. If you want students more engaged, I don't make a goal where I say, I want to engage the students more. I'm going to increase my student engagement. So what do I do in the background to make that happen? But my goal in the end is a student-based action, not a teacher-based action. And that kind of goes back to like, if I'm getting my video and I'm a little scared. When I first started, I had a coach who said, give me a video. And I was a little scared. So this coach gave me a wonderful tip that she actually turned the video away from me. And it wasn't watching me, it was watching my kids. And so all my students got to see, I got to watch what they were doing because that's the most important what they're doing. Though my actions are impact that greatly, I really wanna focus on students. So that goes to we've had powerful, easy. The next part is emotionally compelling. So if you don't find this, you really wanna talk about doing and get increasing their talk time or increasing them having more um, more engagement in your classroom or increasing your types of questions or student uh, styles with students if you don't find that compelling don't do it as a goal 
So just stop and say, this isn't going to work for me because you're not going to want someone to come and watch you about it. Because I think the hardest part is if you come in and someone watches you, it can be like, oh, well, that I didn't really like that goal anyway. And that coach kind of pushed me to go to it, you know, and so now, of course, that was her thing and it didn't work you know and so I want to move to like emotionally compelling so I have powerful easy emotionally compelling and the last one reachable so it needs to be a goal that is reachable within a short time frame so that you can actually do it and what would be your measuring thing that you're going to say and that's where your coach is your teammate so if you're going to say I want to increase engagement how do you measure that engagement? Is the, is the coach in there and are they taking a tally of how many kids are engaged? And what does engaged mean? Is it that they're looking at you, their intent, that they're not messing in their desk? Or is it that students are actively talking to each other? Or are you going to make the goal where it's something you can really see that they increase their writing, they're able to focus on a certain topic. So it can be any sorts of thing that you want to have for it, but it needs to be where you have a coach or somebody who can see outside of you that what's happening and a way to measure it. And that should be agreed upon as together. And the last one is self-focused. So that self-focused doesn't mean it's focused on you necessarily, but that it's really focused on the students I'm doing and how can you move that forward with the student pieces of it. So I think once you make these goals and I always take a piece of paper and I write P-E-E-R-S on it. And then I just go across and I think about each one of those. Is this powerful to me? Is this easy? Is it emotionally compelling, reachable? And then is it self-focused where I can really get that? And I can help that while I'm doing that with my coach. Now, remember our coaches are learning just like you are and the thing is so if they mess up and they start saying like oh we want you to we really think what you should do is you should be more focused in Hegarty because you're taking way too much time doing this thing then you know what you're going to go back and say hey if you don't find that compelling, yes, you need to have focus and integrity lessons. A hundred percent, I agree. But if you don't find that compelling at this point, let's not use that as your goal. You know, that can be a future goal forward. Let's use it as a smaller piece of maybe that you have more structures in place that help increase classroom management. And maybe that's where you go for it. And then you can say, oh, I really, now that I have them with me, now I can play and be more nuanced in my instruction. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Amy. Um, I think there's sometimes is a, a fear, I think, for our new teachers to have a coach because they feel like, oh man, I'm not doing a good job. But it's not necessarily that we're not doing a good job. It's that we just need to keep having those goals to work towards to become better. And so I love the peers goals model because it's so student focused and focused on improving that classroom management. So Thank you for all you do for our coaches in the district and helping them. Thanks for joining us today. Before we go, we wanted to remind you of a few things. If you feel like things need to change in your classroom, now is a great time to reflect. Working with an instructional coach is a valuable tool to help guide that change. Peers goals are designed to help you keep your focus on your students and their success. For more help and information, visit our website at mentor.jordandistrict.org. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast. As always, if you need help, please let your mentor specialist know.